0: Is there a realistic chance that Aaron Rodgers could return to the Green Bay Packers following his darkness retreat? We talk about that. The new coaching hires for the Denver Broncos get into the Tennessee Titans latest roster moves and so much more coming up next here on Locked on NFL. You are locked on NFL, your daily NFL podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into another episode of The Locked On NFL Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network your team. Every day it's Monday so you have me Kevin Ostrecker, one of the many NFL experts over here on our network. And thank you so much for tuning in today and making Locked On NFL your first listen each and every day. We're free and available on all podcasting platforms. It also includes over on youtube in video form and we're back here as free agency continues to creep closer and closer we have the draft coming up in a couple of months and we're going to be diving into the biggest stories around the nfl as told by our nfl experts and in this first segment i do want to dive into the aaron Rodgers situation he goes on a darkness retreat he comes back people think oh maybe we'll have a decision We haven't heard anything yet. So we'll talk with Peter Bukowski of Locked On Packers about the latest in that whole situation. Then in our second segment, we'll be moving over to the Denver Broncos with Sarah Benger of Locked On Broncos. The Broncos now have their offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator, most of the coaching staff to pair with Sean Payton and Russell Wilson. Then in the final segment, we'll be moving to the Titans. Who released a litany of players, including longtime tackle Taylor Luan. So we'll talk with Tyler Rowland of Locked On Titans about that in our final semester. So without any further ado, let's now dive into our Green Bay Packers conversation with Peter Bukowski of Locked On Packers. Well, here we are recording in the light about the darkness of Aaron Rodgers here with me, Kevin Ostreicher is Peter Bukowski, the host over at Locked On Packers. And Peter, Aaron Rodgers emerges from his darkness retreat, a mind-cleansing experience apparently, but we still have no decision based off of what Aaron Rodgers is going to do, what his football future is. Will it be in Green Bay? Will it be somewhere else? What's your updated read on this whole situation?
1: Oh, uh, that, that this is not going to be um, any different than any other time that this has happened. Theron Rodgers, I guess, is is really the, the easiest way because um, last year uh, he made his decision first week of March, about a week before the new league year opened. I expect the timeline to be somewhat similar. He made it seem like it was going to be sooner. He has emerged from his darkness retreat, which we now found out was in Oregon. Um, and we still don't know what the situation is. We don't we, we know that he said he had to meet with the team once he came to a conclusion about if he was gonna play and if he wanted to play in Green Bay, that there was gonna have to be more conversations um, that were gonna have to take place. And so we don't even we don't even have any information about whether or not those meetings are scheduled, um, whether those meetings have happened. So we are Aaron Rodgers may be out of the darkness, but Kevin, right now we are not when it comes to the timeline of all of this. When it comes to the feeling of what he's going to do in the last week, we had Jeff Darlington come out and basically go, what is everybody talking about? He's going back to Green Bay. And I, t- I spoke to some people there that said this is silly. And then you have other people connected reporters going, well, the Jets, Diana Rossini or ESPN reported, the Jets are waiting on Aaron Rodgers. Well, if you could just sign Derek Carr and not give up a first round pick, why why are you waiting on Aaron Rodgers? Well, it's because you really want Aaron Rodgers A and B. It's because you really think Aaron Rodgers is going to be available. And I think oftentimes what happens in these big player situations is it's a team that we haven't talked about. It's, it's a play, you know, Devonte Adams. We didn't know Devonte Adams was going to be traded until the day he was traded. Tyree kill. That was a mystery until the day he was traded. AJ Brown. We knew that there was some issues. We didn't think it was this until he was traded. And so is there going to be a mystery team? Is all of the, the Washington stuff just fronting? Oh, we believe in Sam Howell when actually they're going to go try and get Aaron Rodgers? is, are the Raiders someone that maybe we should be talking more about? There was a period of about a week, 10 days when I was hearing that was the the leader in the clubhouse to be the Aaron Rodgers destination was a place that he was behind the scenes pushing for. It is, it seems so day to day right now. And I I don't, I don't know. I don't even know how you begin to handicap it. I'm actually very glad right now that we have a daily show because I I would not be able to keep up with it. If I were a weekly show, there's just too much that happens.
0: Yeah, and with this whole thing, I know it's been very back and forth in terms of, well, there's no way he returns to Green Bay. Then you heard the other reports, well, you know, maybe he will. I mean, what's your percentage level right now with everything you know, which granted isn't a ton based off of everything, but what's your percentage level? He actually does return to Green Bay and it's just another year of Aaron Rodgers with the Packers.
1: About 40%. I think I think it's more likely that he leaves, but I don't think it's just a foregone conclusion. I mean, I I've been pretty resolute. Like it's it's I feel a little weird saying that because, for the last two and a half months, I've been saying he's done, he's gone, um, and I still believe that. I, I but I've never thought it was just like there was no discussion. There's always a discussion with Aaron Rodgers. You can't just say. I believe the only path that he could possibly ever take is this, because we've seen him time and time again, take paths that we hadn't even thought of. And then it's like, okay, well, I guess he's going to do this. You never could have predicted that. So is there, like, I thought the only path that I thought, okay, he's not going to do it is retire. And I thought it was so funny. He acted indignant in a recent interview that like, Everyone's just acting like I'm 100% going to play. And I don't think that's true. And everyone's like just rolling their eyes because it's like, come on, guy. But I was speaking to um, a a very connected person during Super Bowl week. And they were like, if you were making a list of quarterbacks, who'd walk away from 60 million guaranteed for reasons, Aaron Rodgers is number one on that list. And he might be the only player on that list to just go full, like kind of Kyrie Irving, I guess you could say, um, and just be like, nah, doesn't matter. I'd rather just, I'd rather walk. No one is buying that, including the teams involved as a threat, which which is really an interesting part in all of this. Like if the Packers get a crazy offer from a team that Aaron Rodgers doesn't want to go to, would they say, you have no choice. We know you're not going to retire. Go play for whatever. The Texans are offering us the number two overall pick. Go play for Houston or sit. We dare you. Maybe.
0: It, and it's interesting to think about because, you know, Aaron Rodgers has been at the helm of that offense for so long, just what an offense without Aaron Rodgers would look like. And we, we've kind of seen bits and pieces over the course of these last couple of weeks, Peter. Aaron Jones back in Green Bay after, you know, his future was kind of murky. Yep. You have Alan Lazard looking like he might be on the way out. So you, you have pieces. I mean, you have Christian Watson, you have Romeo Dobbs, but what does a Green Bay offense look like without Aaron Rodgers?
1: Well, we, we found out over the weekend that the Packers are not going to send their coaches to the combine. This is a new trend in the NFL that the teams are saying, we can watch the, the drills. We're going to get the numbers anyway. And we don't think these interviews, we're going to learn much in these interviews. What I think if you're a Packers fan right now, you're hoping is that they're figuring that out. That that this is the time that they're spending trying to determine what an Aaron Rodgers offense looks like. Not that they want him to be traded necessarily. Although I think there is certainly a a large group of fans right now that is ready to see Jordan love, but they want them. Fans want this team to build an offense around the, the Matt LaFleur version of the offense, not the Aaron Rodgers version of the offense. I think a lot of fans are ready to see that. I know my listeners for the most part are ready to see that probably because I've been harping on it for (laughs) the last two, three years about how much this offense, I think in 2020, you saw the, 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 greatest distillation of what Matt LaFleur wants to be a lot of under center play action, a lot of play action shots, a lot of pre-snap motion, um, a lot of like one and two man routes where you're sort of predetermining the read where it's, you know, a two man route, where it's touchdown, checkdown that kind of stuff. And we saw in 2021, less of that, And then we saw in 2022, even less of that, they become really RPO heavy, a lot of stuff on the line of scrimmage with Aaron Rodgers and his ability to change things at the line of scrimmage. I think what, what you, you really want to see is just how good Matt LaFleur coaches, just how good a play designer can he be? And I think we've seen a lot of evidence. He's a really smart coach. He's a really creative play designer and play caller, except on fourth down, weirdly, um, He's been, he was disastrous as a play caller on fourth down this year. Um, and like, is it going to be something closer to what we saw in 2020? More under center play action, more play action, um, more designed runs for the quarterback or at least quarterback read options. Um, are we going to see the full vertical RPO game? Right now, the Packers like. They've run two or three more RPOs than you and I, Kevin, over the last two years in terms of vertical RPOs, where they actually have a chance to post snap, read that conflict defender, and and whiz it past his ear hole if that's where he, where you want to go with the ball. I think Aaron Rodgers could be the greatest RPO post snap RPO thrower, vertical RPO thrower we've ever seen. But you think about the way that that you know Jordan Love has been running those concepts since he was twelve. Well, when Aaron when Jordan Love was twelve. Aaron Rodgers was like in his third year in the NFL. And so he like, he didn't grow up running those concepts like everyone else did. Like the two quarterbacks in the Super Bowl did like the, the team that you cover day to day does. And so there's a lot of stuff that I think it would otherwise not be on the menu for Aaron Rodgers that suddenly becomes on the menu for Jordan love. We saw it when, when Jordan love played against the trade in week 18, they ran a two point conversion design court. Well, it was a, it was zone read basically. And he could keep or or give, and he read it perfectly and walked into the end zone. They're just not calling that play with Aaron Rodgers. And it is interesting. It, it's it is a, a tensile test, I think, for the modern game. Can you succeed with a pocket only passer? Is is that possible? Because we Patrick Mahomes, if he's hurt, he's not the same guy. Joe Burrow is basically the only quarterback in the NFL right now because Tom Brady's retired that can win exclusively from from the pocket. And we say Aaron Rodgers at his best. It's extending plays. It's moving outside the pocket. The Packers could suddenly reincorporate some of that and become a more modern version
0: of this offense. A big shout-out to Peter for hopping on, talking Packers, and Aaron Rodgers with me. If you want to check out more on the Packers or Peter's work, be sure to check out the Locked On Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day is still a lot to dive into here on Locked On NFL as we will next move to the Denver Broncos in our second segment talking the new coaching hires with Sarah Bedinger of Locked On Broncos. So be sure to stay tuned for that. Still lots to dive into on Locked On NFL. But first, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel and the midway point of the NBA season is here, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because new customers get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000 That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Let's download the FanDuel sportsbook app—it's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and threes drained. And for me, I'm a big Denver Nuggets guy. They're number one in the West, but the West is crazy right now. You got the Lakers picking up a 27-point comeback win over the Mavericks. There's going to be a lot of movement in the West. So look at those money lines. Look at odds for the playoffs. FanDuel has it all, plus so many more exclusive bets like the 2 by 3 which is two three-pointers scored in the first three minutes. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at bigger payout with the same game parlay. So don't miss a chance to get your nose wet first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to learn more, make every moment more FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. We've returned here to our second segment of Locked On NFL. Kevin Allstriker still here with you, hanging out as we now move into... Our second segment is we dive into a Denver Broncos conversation with Sarah Bedinger of Locked on Broncos as the Denver Broncos have made obviously the Sean Payton hire, which is big, but they now have their offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator and most of that coaching staff over there. So we'll talk about what that means for Denver now. The Denver Broncos are now putting the pieces around new head coach Sean Payton here to talk about that with me. And of course, Morris Sarah Benger, one of the hosts over at Locked On Broncos. And Sarah, this is a team that obviously big hire in Sean Payton. You trade away a couple of draft picks. there are pretty high ones for the Broncos, but you do get one of the best head coaches in this league. But now the pieces are starting to be put around him with Joe Lombardi and Vance Joseph as the offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator, respectively. But for Vance Joseph, Bringing them home, bringing them home to Denver. There were a lot of high-profile candidates for that D.C. job in Denver. Was Vance Joseph your top choice for it?
2: Uh, you know, I had no idea he would even beyond the radar to be honest with you but as the saying goes you know i'm sure vance is having the time of his life look vance joseph is a great dude i think obviously you listen to him talk you throw on any mic'd up of vance joseph and you're going to get fired up like he's he's definitely the type of coach like when the broncos initially hired him as head coach it was like this is the leader of men right here and you can tell that when you listen to him speak he's just a a good guy and he understands the game. Obviously he's a very successful NFL coach at this point. Unfortunately, you know, the, the memories that get evoked when you think about Vance Joseph and the Denver Broncos for many in Broncos country are negative, right? It's the 2017 season where they're trying to still shoehorn Paxton Lynch into the lineup. It's 2018 with Case Keenum when they were still one of the worst teams in the AFC West. And so, To me, maybe not the top choice just because I didn't even know he would really be an option, but I I don't mind it. Honestly, I don't think it's like super thrilling. I think the Vic Fangio reunion might have been pretty exciting with Sean Payton have two of the better minds on their respective sides of the ball in the league. Vance Joseph, I think, has quite a bit to prove to Broncos country to get back on their good graces.
0: And let's flip over to the offensive side of the ball now, Joe Lombardi being the guy from Denver now at offensive coordinator and AFC West rival and the Chargers letting him go. He now comes over to Denver. What does Joe Lombardi bring and how can he help Sean Payton and Russell Wilson in this Denver offense get back on track?
2: Well, what he brings is definitely familiarity with Sean Payton, obviously the way that he likes to run things and operate things. And you see that all the time with coaching hires, right? You see that guys bring along assistants that they're familiar with. They work well together. I think that's one of the first and foremost things that he brings to the table. But you also have the fact that he was just most recently coaching with the Los Angeles chargers, right? So he spent the last couple of years scouting against the AFC West. So I think that helps in terms of Sean Payton's transition to the AFC West. I think it helps with Russell Wilson, just being able to say, Hey, this is kind of what we were seeing from you uh, on the other side of things last year, you know? So I think it's all encompassing. I don't think Joe Lombardi is the most, earth shattering offensive coordinator out there. Right. I mean, obviously had success with Jim Caldwell and the lions back in 2014, plenty of success in new Orleans with Sean Payton. I uh, actually quite a bit of success in Los Angeles with the chargers as well. Unfortunately, kind of the scapegoat for uh, maybe uh, maybe Brandon Staley deserved a little more blame for the stuff that went down there at the end of the season, but I don't think he's an earth shattering name. I do think he's going to be helpful though, because we know Sean Payton is going to be calling the plays So Joe Lombardi is going to be an extra voice in that room. And I think an important one.
0: Yeah. And I think for a lot of people, the Denver coaching job, at least the head coaching position and just the entire coaching staff, you know, very high profile for many, many months. You know, who's the guy going to be? You know, there was a lot of talk about Tamiko Ryans, but now it feels like, you know, the Broncos announcing a lot of assistance. So it seems like that's now getting in the rear view mirror. So Sarah, where do you turn your focus now? We have free agency coming up, the draft obviously, but where's your focus turning to now that the coaching staff is pretty much all set in order here?
2: It's going to be a a big time free agency period for the Denver Broncos. I mean, obviously you trade for Sean Payton this year. You're out uh, quite a few draft picks, right? So uh, I think all told, it ended up being three total first round picks, three total second round picks. You know, so it's, it's a lot, it's a hefty price to pay. And I, I, I I guess you could say the two most important positions on the team are filled with head coach and quarterback. Now it's a question of whether it's going to work out. So you don't have draft picks, but you do have head coach. You do have quarterback. I think you can build around that in free agency and the Broncos have a tremendous new ownership group, obviously very willing to invest in the right things to make the team better. So I think free agency is going to be massive for the Denver Broncos. Quite honestly, I don't know exactly what that's going to look like. I don't know how much Sean Payton is going to change from what George Payton, the general manager has built the last couple of years in terms of the roster structure. I think they're going to be willing to make wholesale changes on the offensive side for sure. Maybe some on the defensive side a little bit as well. So I the Broncos, I would expect them to be making big moves to clear cap space. I would expect them to be making big moves via free agency, other trades that maybe, I know Brandon Cooks has been a focus of Broncos fans lately. He's been liking a ton of Broncos-related content on Twitter and Instagram and stuff, so you know how the Twitter detectives are all over it. I, I mean, I think it's going to be a big offseason for them in terms of those player acquisitions, because you don't have the NFL draft to get those building blocks. Right. And you mentioned
0: big changes. You even mentioned a wide receiver there and Brandon cooks, but Sarah, Jerry Judy has been someone who's been in the news a little bit. I know the trade deadline, there were some, that oh, the Broncos going to trade them. Are they going to trade them? And now I know there've been a couple of rumblings here and there this off season. I mean, what do you see the future for Jerry Judy being in Denver moving forward?
2: I think he's a long-term fixture. I think besides Pat Sertan, I think he's the best player on the team. And I think that the Broncos know that. I think they realize that. Like at the trade deadline last year, it was kind of like – you know, you're sad and you're just like, all right, we'll get rid of this, get rid of that. I don't even care. I don't want to see it ever. And that's how fans kind of were. But I, I think the Broncos made the wise decision to not just take whatever they could get for Jerry Judy, because at this point, I don't know, I, unless a team is offering a top 10, top 15 pick. And I I, I don't say that to, to try to overhype Jerry Judy. I mean, obviously it, it was a Tough rookie year for him in terms of the drops. Second season has the ankle injury. But this past year, I'm telling you, Kevin, he emerged in a big way, was sure-handed, obviously very, very good route runner, tremendous after the catch. Jerry Judy is very underrated in that regard. And he's explosive. He's a playmaker. He's a guy that you can trust and rely on count on to make those big plays. And when the Broncos started doing that, he stepped up big. So I think he's their best player besides Patrick Sertan. And I think he took a huge leap forward. So I view him as a fixture on the team. I guess you never know with wide receivers in today's NFL, right? It could be A.J. Brown getting traded one day and and Devontae Adams getting traded the next. You just you never know. So I think wide receivers have become a little too tradable of commodities. But Jerry, I would say, man, he is a fixture for this team. Hopefully a long-term contract player. Denver made some pretty good hires
0: here. I like a lot of their moves on the coaching staff. And again, a big thanks to Sarah for hopping on and talking Broncos. If you want more on Sarah's work or the Broncos, be sure to check out the Locked On Broncos podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. But moving on now, we're going to transition into our final segment. We'll be talking Titans with Tyler Rowland of Locked On Titans, Ryan Tannehill, Bud Dupree, Taylor Luan, and more. So be sure to stay tuned. Still lots to dive into on the show. We return here. It's our final segment of Locked On NFL. Kevin Ostreicher, your host. Still hanging out with you here again. Thank you so much for tuning in and making us your first listen. Each and every day, be sure to like and subscribe on YouTube and follow along anywhere you get your audio podcast. But now let's dive into our Tennessee Titans conversation with Tyler Rowland of Locked On Titans. We're going to talk about the major roster moves Tennessee made over the course of the past week and what it could mean for the team moving forward. Well, the Tennessee Titans have made some Pretty big change over the course of this past week. Here to talk about that and more with me is Tyler Rollum, the host over at Locked On Titans. And Tyler, it kind of feels like the end of an era in Tennessee is Taylor Luan, one of the mainstays on that offensive line, was released. You have Zach Cunningham, Randy Bullock. You also have Robert Woods, all gone. And he needs you know, to save some money there. But with mm-hmm. Luan in particular, this is a guy that, has meant so much to that franchise for so long. I mean, what do these cuts mean for the future of Tennessee? And how do you look back on the 10 years of each of those guys?
3: Well, specifically for LaJuan, I mean, I I think he's in a weird spot because his personality is a little bit larger than life. And while a lot of people in Tennessee love that, there are some people that didn't always appreciate all the talking that Taylor LaJuan did. But I think at the end of the day, nine years with the team, three Pro Bowls got, He was a part of the team in 2017 that won the first playoff game for the Titans in in a decade. He was on the 2019 team with them in 2020 when the Titans had some good moments and and went pretty far. So he's been a part of the the revival from when the Titans were winning two and three games in 2014, 2015. So uh, I think that while Taylor Lewan may not be, you know, one of the greatest tackles of all time or anything like that, I think he definitely holds a special place. Uh, in the hearts of Tennessee Titans fans. Robert Woods, still a good player. I think he's going to latch on with someone else, but the Titans just needed a younger, faster addition to the wide receiver core. And Zach Cunningham played six games and didn't play that great when he was on the field. Randy Bullock, you're not paying Randy Bullock $2.6 million. I think I can, I can end it there. But at the end of the day, it was all about managing the cap. The Titans need to get younger. They need to get faster. They need to get cheaper as a team, and they were $23 million over the salary cap. With those four moves, they were able to clear out $38 million in salary cap space and get back to good. Um, and there are still some moves that may be coming down the pike, but what I would say is there is this little debate going on whether this is a rebuild or a retool for the Titans. And in my opinion, as long as there is Jeffrey Simmons and Kevin Byard on defense, and Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry on offense—you can't call it a rebuild. If they were to shed both those guys on offense, maybe I'm sure we'll talk some Tannehill in a moment. Then maybe you could call it a rebuild. But right now, I, I think that it's—it's it's still more of a retool. This team wants to win, still.
0: Yeah, and let, let's talk Tannehill. Let's do it now. Where you have a couple of other potential moves on the horizon. I know Tannehill's been a big name in terms of will mm-hmm. he stay? Will he go? Bud Dupree, another one. Of the Titans' big free agent signing a couple years ago. Mm -hmm. Where are you with those two guys in terms of their futures?
3: Well, I think with Tannehill, despite all the noise that you hear, I still think Tannehill is the Titans' starting quarterback in 2023 because I just don't see a way that they can improve on the quarterback spot that's a realistic path. And on the flip side, like I just said, and sometimes fans don't like hearing this, and honestly, I don't know if I like hearing it either. I think the Titans should consider maybe rolling Josh Dobbs or Malik Willis out there for a season and see how close you can get to a Caleb Williams or a Drake May and maybe take a stab at it there but at the end of the day the Titans just fired a general manager that's had a, a winning record in almost every year uh, of his run with the Titans. John Robinson won a ton of football games and the Titans were 7-3 and three winning the division, almost won the division with 23 guys on IR at the end of the season the Titans were poised to win the division again until the injuries just you know, became too much. So, if you fire a guy like John Robinson, you're saying good isn't good enough. We expect to get better than that. So, I think whether it's Mike Vrabel or new GM Rand Carthon, they're not tanking in their first season. So, to me, it's going to be Tannehill. But what I would say is, like I just mentioned, if I was, you know, able to make things happen, I would want the Titans to maybe throw Malik Willis out there for the whole season. If it goes well, you got yourself a nice cheap quarterback to build around. If it doesn't go so well, you're close to some of these really good quarterbacks in the 2024 draft. Uh, so I think that would be the move. But at the end of the day, a trade-up in the draft, Aaron Rodgers, going to Derek Carr, which doesn't make much sense. I don't see any of that actually happening for the Titans. I think uh, Tannehill is the starter in 2023.
0: You mentioned the word retool. If Tennessee tries to compete again you know, with Tannehill as the guy – And maybe it it doesn't go so well. You mentioned the Titans moving on from John Robinson. Does that conversation maybe shift to Mike Vrabel at the end of the season if it doesn't go as planned?
3: You know, I think, and there's some debate about this, and the owner has come out and said that's not the case. But at the end of the day, I think that we saw a power struggle between the general manager that's been entrenched and the head coach that's won coach of the year and got this team to some of the highest heights it's been to since 2002. So I think Mike Vrabel won a power struggle. And Rand Carthon has said publicly, he's here to get the players for Mike Vrabel. So I think Mike Vrabel is at the top of things. I don't think that a down season would put Mike Vrabel on the hot seat or anything like that. Because at the end of the day, you could say, hey, we got a new GM. It's going to take an off season for us to fix all the mistakes. And speaking of mistakes, wanted to at least answer your question before. Bud Dupree, signing Bud Dupree, top of the market edge rusher money uh, was a major mistake. For the Titans, he hasn't been able to play in more than half the games since he's been signed. And uh, just to round that off from earlier, I do think Bud Dupree is going to be cut, but there's a a little quirk in the salary cap. He has partially guaranteed money in 2023, so the Titans can't technically cut him until March the 15th. Now, of course, they're going to operate in all their discussions like they have the savings from cutting him, which would be about $9 million. They may even do a post-June 1st designation on bud dupree and say 15 million after june 5th or june 1st but they wouldn't have that during this initial period of free agency so what they decide to do is is going to be interesting to see but i do think bud dupree still is cut because that was a a big mistake for john robinson along with caleb farley and isaiah wilson and then of course trading away aj brown
0: right and you you mentioned how you want the titans to get faster to get younger as we kind of approach free agency here the draft in a couple months What positions Mm -hmm. are you looking at for the Titans to really go after?
3: Well, I think number one, they got to look at the offensive line and whether that be offensive tackle, interior, offensive line, both of them at the same time. The Titans might be replacing four out of five starting offensive linemen. And the fifth starter that would be returning is Nicholas Petit-Ferrer, who was a third round rookie last year who had some up and down moments. He may get kicked inside. He needs to improve if they keep him out at right tackle. So, The Titans could use as many offensive linemen as they can get their hands on, whether that be free agency or the draft. And then at wide receiver, I mean, with with Robert Woods moving on, he did lead the team with 52 catches and over 500 receiving yards last year. Burks showed some great flashes of being a top-tier receiver, especially down the field, but he was only able to play 11 games. So the Titans need a lot more at wide receiver. They need a lot more on the offensive line. I think they need an edge rusher. If they cut Bud Dupree, Harold Landry's coming back from an ACL tear before the season last year. All they have other than that is Rashad Weaver will be going into his third season, uh, only really two with an injury suffered his rookie year. So they'd be a little thin at edge rusher. So I would say offensive line, wide receiver, and uh, the edge on defense would be the biggest needs
0: to watch for the Titans. Big shout out to Tyler for hopping on. Tennessee has a, a huge off ahead. As you know, Tyler talked about whether this is a rebuild or a retool. If they retool, certainly have the talent around them to, to go far, but they have to make the right moves this off season. And for more on the Titans and Tyler's work, check out the Locked On Titans podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. But that's all I have to hear today on Locked On NFL. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Let me get back here tomorrow. It's more NFL content with your Tuesday host. So be sure to stay tuned for that. And we will see you right back here tomorrow.